Good morning, church. Let us open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. Now, before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father God, glory be to you. Thank you for your word this morning. May you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And may you help us to apply it to our daily lives with diligence. In Jesus' name, amen. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his sufferings, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hit him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there, here, looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Well, the Lord be with you. Now, on the first Sunday of this year, we were reminded by the Apostle Peter that as a church, we are to be influencers of godliness in our society. Whether at home or at work, we are to influence people to be God-fearing and to shun evil. I want to continue on this theme of being influencers for God and for Jesus Christ. And so this morning we will begin a new series based on the book of Acts. As you know, the book of Acts is the um, is the historical record of the early church as they carried out the mission of Jesus after his ascension. Now we want to learn from the early church how they were great influencers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the reason the apostles and the first generation of Christians were great influencers was because they were faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ. So today, if we want to make a difference to the world around us, 
we too must be faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but what does it mean to be witnesses of Jesus Christ? Does it mean that we have to talk about Jesus to our uh, non-believing family and friends? Well, certainly sharing the gospel is part of being a witness. But the book of Acts will tell us that being a witness means more than telling people about the gospel. It also means that we have to live out the gospel. You see, it is important that we walk the talk. And the gospel must transform us. It must transform our lives such that we have a passion for godly things and we want to uh, be obedient to God's command. Uh, we, we care for righteousness. Uh, we care for justice. And we are the people who care for mercy. And, and so when people look at us, they will see Jesus in us. And they will want to know more about Jesus for themselves. And that is what a witness is. We are to be the holy people. And we are to live uh, to, to be like signposts, powerful signposts that points to Jesus. Not just with our words, but much more with our behavior, with our loving actions, with our grace, with our generosity, with our humility, and with our willingness to suffer for Jesus' sake. Because we know that not all people will embrace what we have to tell them. Some will be hostile towards us and they will persecute us. So, to be a witness seems like a tall order. Indeed, it is. But we are not called to be an individual witness on our own. No, we are called to be a collective witness. As a church, we are to help one another live out the gospel. And when the church has a culture of gospel living, we will be encouraged to be faithful witnesses. Now, furthermore, we are not called to be witnesses in our own strength. You see, Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit and we are to live out the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit just as the apostles and the early Christians were faithful witnesses in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let us begin our study in the book of Acts. We will not study the entire book at one stretch. Uh, that would probably take us uh, the whole year. Uh, instead, we will look at the first eight chapters that record the growing influence of the early church in Jerusalem and in Judea. Uh, these eight chapters will take us through the first quarter of this year. Now, so if you have your Bible with you, um, please turn to 
Turn with me to the book of Acts, uh, to the passage that was read to us. Uh, we will look at the first 11 verses of chapter 1. Now the chapter begins with these words. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about Jesus. Uh, I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Now, the author of the book does not identify himself, but we know that he is Luke, the physician and historian, because he makes reference to his former book, which is the Gospel of Luke. You see, Luke writes the book of Acts as a sequel to his Gospel account of the life and work of Jesus. And both the volumes are dedicated to a person named Theophilus. And we learn about Theophilus in Luke's introduction to his gospel. So let me read the first part of uh, Luke, uh, the introduction to the Luke gospel. Now many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now notice that Luke addresses Theophilus as most excellent. So suggesting that Theophilus is a high-ranking Roman official. And Theophilus has taken an interest in Christianity. And so Luke wrote the account of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to build up Theophilus in his understanding of the Christian faith. And now in the book of Acts, Luke wants to update Theophilus about the continuation of Jesus' ministry through the apostles. And Luke tells Theophilus that after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples many times over a period of 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And in one of these appearances, as they were having a meal, Jesus gave the apostles this command in verses 4 and 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus is referring to the coming day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit will be poured out onto his disciples in Jerusalem. And the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the disciples is described as a baptism. Now, baptism, the word baptism means that we are soaked with something. And John the Baptist baptized people with water. And the soaking of, uh, soaking with water represents, uh, cleansing from sin. But on the day of Pentecost, Jesus says he will baptize his disciples with the Holy Spirit. 
And this baptism with the Holy Spirit represents more than the cleansing from sin. It is in reality the creation of a new life, the creation of a new person inside each one of us. So the creation of a new person inside us is, pro- is the promised gift of God the Father. And this promise was already made in the Old Testament. And the prophet Ezekiel, in chapter 26 of his book, prophesied these words from God. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and make and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So this is the promise that was a promise of God that was made by Ezekiel. And so every true Christian is baptized with the Holy Spirit. True Christians are born again people with a new life. They are new people with a new heart. And they have God's Holy Spirit living in them to empower them to obey God's law. So friends, if you are a Christian, but you are having trouble obeying God's law, you need to remind yourself that you are a new person. Jesus has baptized you with the Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit now lives in you. And if you struggle with obeying God's law, call on Him. Call on Him to turn your heart away from worldly desires and ask Him to orientate your new heart towards pleasing God. Will you do that? If you sincerely pray that, God's Spirit will give you the power to fight sin and obey God's commandments. Now, when the apostles heard Jesus' command to wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit, they were excited. Why? Well, according to the Old Testament prophecies, the coming of God's Spirit signals the new age of the Messiah. And the Messiah will restore the glory of Israel, like when Israel was in her golden years under the reign of King David. So in their mind, the coming of the Spirit means that Israel will once again be restored to her glory. And so, when Jesus meets the apostles for the last time on the Mount of Olives, the apostles ask Jesus this question in verse 6. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom 
to Israel. Now, like most Jews, uh, the apostles are still hoping that Jesus would drive out the Romans and restore Israel as a sovereign state with its own king. But the apostles have not fully grasped what Jesus had taught them earlier. That Jesus has come to establish the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is not political Israel. You see, Jesus reminds them that the kingdom of God will have boundaries that extend beyond Israel. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom that will one day fill the whole earth. And so Jesus therefore apply, uh, replies the apostles with these words. Uh, look at verses 7 and 8. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus tells his apostles that only God the Father knows when the kingdom of God will be fully established on earth. So they are not to be concerned about the timing. Instead, the apostles are to concentrate on the task of extending the boundaries of the kingdom of God beyond Israel. And they are to do that by being witnesses of Jesus. And they are to be witnesses of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, they are to be Jesus' witnesses, not only in Jerusalem and Judea, but also to the ends of the earth. So this is the great commission of Jesus given to the apostles. Did the apostles fulfill the mission Jesus gave them? Well, if we were to read through the book of Acts, we will find that in chapters 1 to 7, Luke tells us about the apostles' witness in Jerusalem. And then in chapters 8 to 11, we see that the apostles preaching the gospel of Jesus in Judea and Samaria. And finally, in chapters 12 to 28, we find the apostles taking the gospel to Rome and beyond. And so the apostles and the early church did fulfill Jesus' great commission. And today, we must continue to fulfill Jesus' mission for the church. And to do that, we must be faithful witnesses like the apostles were. And to be faithful witnesses of Jesus, we need to remember three things. First, we need to remember that we have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it is only with the power of the Holy Spirit that we can be faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ. Yet, 
we see many Christians weak in their weakness. And one reason for their weakness is because they have been quenching the Holy Spirit in them. You see, they are not allowing the new heart that God puts in them to pump strongly, figuratively speaking. You see, they have allowed the old heart with its sinful nature, with its sinful desires, to continue pumping strongly. And their mind is still set on storing up treasures on earth. And their heart is shaped by worldly ambitions. And they don't have passion for the things of God. And they are therefore timid with regard to things of God. And they are embarrassed to talk about Jesus and his gospel. Now, if this is you, you need to stop quenching the Spirit. Instead, you need to put the old heart, the old sinful nature to death and let the new heart with the power of the Holy Spirit pump new passion into your life. Passion to read God's Word. Passion to live a holy and godly life. And passion to share the gospel with people. Now the second thing we need to remember as faithful witnesses of Jesus is this. We need to be passionate about the kingdom of God. And we need to passionately proclaim the kingdom of God. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God burst into power in this world when Jesus began his earthly ministry. Demons were cast out. The lame walked. The blind saw. And by Jesus' death and resurrection, sins are forgiven. And the dead will live again. This is the power of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God means that fallen humanity can be made whole again. You see, the reason the apostles and the early Christians turned their world upside down was because they preached with passion the kingdom of God. And so today, if we want to turn our neighborhood, if we want to turn our country and our world upside down, we need to loosen our attachment to the kingdom of this world and passionately preach the kingdom of God. We need to preach that the greatest need for the world and for this broken and sinful world is reconciliation with God. And God has made this reconciliation possible because God the Son took on flesh and came into this world as Jesus. And Jesus died to pay 
the penalty for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring us to God and into his kingdom. But Jesus did not remain dead. He was resurrected and he appeared among his disciples for 40 days, as Luke tells us. And now Luke tells us that at the end of the 40 days, after giving the great commission to the apostles, Jesus is taken up into heaven before the very eyes of the apostles. We read that in verse 9. Now Jesus' ascension into heaven is necessary. He had previously told the disciples that unless he goes away, the Holy Spirit would not come on them. And so Jesus' ascension is for our advantage, is for our benefit, so that we will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and live this life in the power of the Spirit. But Jesus' ascension into heaven is also his exaltation. In heaven, he will be seated at the right hand of God the Father as the ascended king. In heaven, he will be the ascended king. He will be the king of kings and lord of lords. And therefore, as faithful witnesses, we are to call on all people to believe in Jesus and submit themselves to the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus will return. The king will return. And Luke tells us this in verses 10 and 11. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now this is quite a dramatic scene for the disciples. Now whenever I'm at the airport, uh, that was before the pandemic, whenever I'm in the airport, I like to watch planes taking off into the sky. And I will keep my eyes on the plane as it soars higher and higher and gets smaller and smaller until it disappears from sight. And as I read this passage, I can imagine the apostles watching Jesus taking off and ascending until he gets hidden in a crowd. Uh, in, in a cloud. But the apostles keep looking into the sky for some time until two men in white and they are angels. Uh, tell them to look no further. The angels tell the apostles that Jesus will return in the same manner as he ascended. That means that Jesus will come back in public view 
of all people. And so this brings us to the third thing we need to remember as faithful witnesses of Jesus. We are to remember that Jesus will return. Even if some say that his return is delayed. As Jason reminded us last Sunday, and I have his permission to use his excellent illustration, what we know about the future will shape our present action. And since we know that Jesus is coming back, we are to get going with our task. We must not be found slacking in our faithfulness. And we are to avoid micro-sleep. Micro-sleep. Now you know you are falling into micro-sleep when you say, I cannot come to church. I cannot come to Bible study because I'm too busy. That is a micro-sleep. You know you are falling into micro-sleep when you put your self-interest above others. When you are selfish, when you are greedy. That is a micro-sleep. And you know you are falling into micro-sleep when you start idolizing the good gifts that God has given you. When you put your career above God, when you put your family above God, when you put money above God, that is micro-sleep. Friends, we must stop the micro-sleep. They are dangerous. They will kill your soul. Jesus will hold us to account for how we have lived our lives, whether we have lived our lives only for ourselves or we have lived our lives for Jesus and for others. So let us encourage one another, knowing that Jesus will come back and hold us accountable for how we spend our lives. Let us encourage one another to live our lives for Jesus and for others. Let us get going with the task of witnessing for Jesus. And may we proclaim the kingdom of God with boldness and with passion. Remember, we are not alone. Christ has promised to work for us. He will strengthen us with the power of the Spirit in us. So let us keep the new heart pumping and be energized with godly desire and let us renounce all worldly desires. And may we, like the Apostle Paul, count all things as rubbish for the surpassing worth of standing in the service of Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Happy are we when Jesus comes again and he says to us, Well done, 
good and faithful servant, come and share your master's joy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us to be living witnesses for your son Jesus. The call is too high for any of us to meet in our own strength. But we thank you that you have given us the Spirit of Jesus, who is not only for us, but is in us. So Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, please help us to be self-giving, help us to be sacrificial, and help us to be true, passionate, and faithful believers, just like the apostles were. Please use us to extend your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.